with the internet. I know that the recordings will be fine. It's just trying to get it all connected. And uh, the IT department, the IT department's working on it. And uh, it'll be what it is. If you think about the prince, the power of the air, he's at work. And uh, there's some things that kind of happen there and all of that that uh, um, it just is, it is what it is and so forth. So in Romans chapter number 12, we've been looking at Paul's love language and how Paul talks about and talks with us about certain things about the one anothering and uh, the walk towards one another. And we've been looking at that. We introduced it. We, we, uh, there's handouts back there with some paper clips on them where we kind of grouped them together. We talked, la- we talked about the brotherly love of loving one another, that that is more than just a warm, fuzzy, feely relationship, but there's something going on deeper down in, your, in, in the issues of your thinking and how you think about each other. We talked about esteeming one another, and we talked about uh, preferring one another. We're going to talk some about that this morning again. And we talked about that saluting one another with a holy kiss. And it was really more than the physical thing. There's just that issue of being together, being family, and having that kind of a thought process. And now this morning, we're going to talk about judging one another and admonishing one another. Great topics to talk about on a Sunday morning, you know. But they are part of the one anotherings. Because when we are in relationships, sometimes things come up. And next week we'll talk about forbearing and forgiving because that issue of being able to to deal with one another is very critical and it really comes from Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. I therefore, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When he says, I beseech you, he's talking about, based on love, based on 11 chapters of doctrine that you're finding out, first of all, you're justified, here's who you are in Christ, and here's what God's doing today and forming the church, the body of Christ. You're not Israel, you're the church, this is who you are. Based on love, based on understanding all of who you are now, I'm going to ask you to do something. And I want you to take all of that, and I want you to present your bodies. That's this stuff right here, right now. That in down in the future where we get a new body that's right now, right here in time. And he begins here to make a beseechment. One guy said he's begging. He's not begging. Paul never begs. He's beseeching. He's, hey, let's talk about the grace motivation. Philemon 8 and and Philemon 9, where he talks to Philemon, and he says, I beseech you. Look over there. I'm going to get stuck on a rabbit's trail already. We're going to have a wonderful morning. Uh, Look at Philemon 8. Philemon 8. Philemon, verse 8. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such a one as Paul the aged and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds and so forth. See that thing in verse 9, yet for love's sake, I rather what? Beseech you. Philemon, based on your love for me as Paul the aged, as your apostle, I'm asking you to have an attitude of grace, of proper grace thinking, of proper grace motivation toward Onesimus. So when you come back here to Romans 12, that's what he's saying. Hey, look, guys, when you think about who you are in Christ and when you begin to understand that issue of charity, the value and esteem each other, things, people, the way that God does, how does God love you? He loved you so much he sent his son to die for you, and then he gave you his life called eternal life. He didn't just die for you. He says, hey, you're, you're in the family, and I'm going to bless you with all spiritual blessings. I'm going to make you complete. I'm going to give you. I, I call it front-loaded, you know. You get a new job. You always want to know what the bennies are. What are the benefits? 
and they tell you up front what the benefits are. That's what God did with the body. Hey, here's the benefits, guys. Ephesians 1, Colossians 3. Here you go. Here you are. So now, because you begin to understand that, and you begin to put that into your thinking process, how then are we going to react with each other? Here's the mindset. Here's the thinking that we're to have. That's how God designed man to work. You know, I, I did this. I'm going to do it again. Here you are. You, here you go. There's your spirit. Here's your mind. Here's your body. Big, it's got to be big, you know. I lost 60 pounds, but I'm still big, you know. <laughs> big body. Here's the soul. Maybe this is a little too big. But anyway, this is you. Okay, here's where your heart is, here's where your will is, here's where your emotions sit, your emotions, tell the body, let's go to work, it's time to go, your body is just simply the vehicle that carries you around, that's it, that's all this body does, it's carry you around from point A to point B. By the way, you know you are an electric vehicle, don't you? You have electro electrodes work all through you. You, you know, I'm gas powered. <laughs> anyway, you figure you read between the lines on that one, okay? Uh, that was a you're a hybrid, okay? All right, yeah. Joel is more than a hybrid, okay? So what happened? Here's your conscience. All right, here's you. This is your inner man, your spirit and your soul. That's what makes up the components of your inner man. You hear God's word, okay? You take in God's word, it goes in, goes into your thinking process, into your vocabulary. It becomes, you read those three chapters a day, your vocabulary is altered, it becomes changed. Your heart, with the heart man believes, reaches up and says, you know what? I want what the word of God says, so the word comes down now into your soul, and the spirit will take it. And the Holy Spirit, who is resident in you, begins to work with that word. Your will says, you know what? We're going to do this. Emotions, let's go to work. It's time to go do. And your conscience looks up there, excusing or accusing, and says, wait a second. Your activity isn't matching what the will and the heart decided it was going to do. So you, are, you get that guilty feeling. Uh-oh. And what, what is that? That's coming from a under, uh, how you're designed to operate. You take in the sound doctrine and you begin to build into your, into your inner man a, a foundation of who you are in Christ, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans has got four foundational points. You put them in there. You begin to build. And then you begin to build things on them. And you begin to build doctrine and truth into you. But you've got this other ear yet, and you've got human viewpoint over here, and it comes in. I'll tell you what. If you watch TV, you allow human viewpoint into your mind every millisecond you're watching TV. Unless you're watching me on YouTube, and then it's okay. No, what's going on? Why? Because how does, we, we looked at that verse in Corinthians about casting down and bringing every thought into the obedience of Christ. Not obedience to Christ, but of Christ. And when you think about that, you watch the news. I don't care what the news is, what channel it is. You read on the internet. You, do, you know what you're doing? You're allowing human viewpoint to creep in, and you know what it does? It comes in, and then it starts building down here. And now we got a conflict brewing. Now we got truth versus the lie. And now we got a conflict. And you know what Paul says? Get rid of that stuff. You need to be thinking this way. And you need to be thinking in this manner. And you're going to take this into any relationship that you're in, husband and wife, Co-worker, boss, local assembly. And that's really where the one anotherings kind of come in is has how we deal with each other within the confines of the local assembly. Come over to chapter 14. Because here's the next set of one anotherings. 
uh, back there is uh, one anothering list uh, where I grouped them together a little easier in, for the study. But look at 14, Romans 14, verse 13. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Notice that, judge one another, I love this, anymore. We'll talk about that. Come over to Galatians chapter 5. Let's just get these in our mind as we go along here. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 15. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. Verse 26. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Titus chapter 3. Real quick, Titus 3 and verse 3. Do you get an idea that there, some of this one anothering can get kind of bad, kind of sketchy? 3-3. Three, three. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envying, hateful and hating one another. Now, we'll stop there. Go back to Romans 14. Because there's a, there's a thought process here with this issue of judging one another, hating one another, provoking one another, and, and that you've got to catch because it comes from a failure to be thinking in the right line. It comes from thinking in the human viewpoint side of your brain, of your inner man. You all have it. By the way, Paul will say at the judgment seat, there's going to be wood, hay, and stubble. That sits on that side. You want the gold, silver, and the precious stones. That sits on the truth side. You're going to build this in. It's natural. It's part of the equation. But how then do we stop, slow, down, slow it down, get off the, the, the treadmill, if you will? Well, th there is some encouragement here. There is some information here that we need to consider. When we're operating in the proper mindset 12 1 and 2 tw transforming ourselves by the renewing of our mind when we are renewing our minds that is how you stand against the issue of a judgment and judging one another and can you imagine biting and devouring one another gnashing on them with their teeth but that's what's happened it tastes like chicken only Joel. That's okay. But if with the improper mindset, you know what we can quickly fall into? Tastes like chicken. We can quickly fall into it. And when we're not operating, functioning in the renewed mindset, then you know what we fall into? This judgment idea. This this justifying my actions towards them by biting and hating one another, provoking one another, envying one another. And we begin to fail to operate and to function as who we are in Christ. And I'll be honest with you, the greatest place you see this is in marriage. It really is. In the husband and wife. Again, both believers, both, both because what happens? I want it my way. No, I want it my way. And then there's a kaboom. And it just comes from really not an action or an activity, just an improper thinking. Look at 14.13. Let us not, therefore, judge one another anymore. Think about this. Again, we lay the foundation here. We're working in on it. So there's a context here that we need to consider. So go back up to chapter 13 and verse 14. So 13.14, Romans. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. If you do that, if you do that, and i.e. Re renew your thinking, guess what's going to happen? Everything that he's going to now talk about in Romans 14 and into Romans 15 will be a null and void. It'll be a mute point in your life. If you're functioning on the basis of a renewed 
based on who you are, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. You stay on the right side of the ledger, stay out of the human viewpoint. You know what's going to happen? When we get into now into the context of what 1413 is, you're going to say, that's a piece of cake, man. I got no issue there. I got no problem here with someone who is a weaker i.e. doesn't understand everything I understand, and I'm not going to go cast aspersions on them. Look at 14.1. Him that is weak, where? In the faith. Receive ye. What am I to do with him that's weak in the faith? I'm to do what with him? Receive him, but not to doubtful disputations. I'm not to look over there and look at that guy and try to just nail him because he doesn't quite know and understand where he and what he should be doing. I'm going to have a different mindset about him. For one believeth that he may eat all things. Another who is weak eateth herbs. But look, look at that. He that, who believes that he can eat all things? A weaker brother or a stronger brother? A stronger brother. See that? For one believeth that he may eat all things. Uh, that's a strong brother. He knows that Food isn't an issue today in the program of God. Now, it's an issue in the other program, but it isn't today. He understands that. But what is, what, but notice another who is weak eateth what? Oh, the weaker brother still doesn't quite understand that there's no restrictions here. See? And it's, not, it's, it's, it's just based upon a not knowing and not understanding. Let not him, verse 3, that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Look, you're, it's a stronger versus weaker thing is the context here. The issue in the passage here is not who is right or wrong. Because guess what? Neither are right and neither are wrong because God has received everybody. Because you're, who are you? You're in Christ. And where does he receive man today? In Christ, not in their activity. Not, so it isn't an issue of who's right or wrong. Rather, it, the issue is how we relate to each other. When we come up against each other, and especially when not everybody is on the same level doctrinally. We're at different understandings. And you go down through, you can, who art thou, verse 4, that judgeth another's man's servant to his own master, he standeth or falleth, yea, he shall be holding up, for God is able to make him stand. One a man is esteem one day above another, another esteem every day alike, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day, regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard. See how the issue, it isn't what you're doing, it's now going to be how you respond to one another. Because if I'm over here and I hold a day in regard to the Lord and you sit here and say, but Rick, you're not supposed to hold those days and you're out of line. See? It's fascinating here when you talk about the weaker brother principles and ideas that, that the weak think they can demand of the strong. Just as the strong think they can demand of the weak. And you know what? Neither has a place of demand. Neither one can demand. Now, the stronger brother can come over. We'll look at this in a minute when we talk about the admonishing and say, hey, look, here's the information that you need to get stronger here. But the demand is off the table. Why? Because one's doing it to the Lord. The other's doing it to the Lord. And the Lord looks at them both and says, you're in Christ, so you're good to go. He don't care. You know who cares? We do. Because it goes against family tradition. It goes against. No, it is what it is. Now, look at verse 13. Let's just kind of drop down. Otherwise, we'll be here till noon, till noon, and I can't do that. Or no, it is almost noon. Till 1, and I can't be here that long. I got, I got an appointment this afternoon. Not really. <laughs> Whatever. Look at verse 13. Let us not, therefore, judge anyone Judge one another, what? Anymore. Obviously, we can be prone to respond to each other on the basis of human viewpoint, thus leading to a condemnation that should have never been there to begin with. If Paul said, 
let us, judge, let us not judge, therefore judge one another, and left it at that, then okay. But he says what? Anymore. That means it's being done. That means the viewpoint of the, the human viewpoint is winning the day. Because you're not doing, you're not matching and meeting my expectations. In marriage counseling with the young folks, I always tell them, unexpected, unrealistic expectations are a no-no. That's what Paul's talking about. You're expecting a man or, or a weaker brother to be where you're at or a stronger brother to come back to you, and that's a no-no. The viewpoint of renewing, remembering who we are in Christ, the viewpoint of putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, making no provision for the flesh is where we need to be, that valuing and esteeming the other. You see, the, the, the weaker needs to be what? Be, needs to become the stronger. And the stronger needs to become the stronger and continue to grow and to continue to flourish. And the only way to do, do that is to look over and not have a judgment. Now, watch the rest of the verse. But judge this rather. Now, the word judge, not the word judgment means what? Judgment, boom, guilty, okay? But the word judge doesn't mean that. It means discernment. Think about this. Think about it this way. Don't look, just look at the other and conclude him, condemn him for what they are doing, follow that? But judge it this way. Think about it this way, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. That goes both ways, whether it's a weaker brother doing it or whether it's a stronger brother doing it. What are we doing? We're not to do that. We're to have the value and the esteem the way that God does. We're looking out for the others better than ourselves, Philippians 2. That's why I started there. That's Somebody asked me, you started with an introduction and you went to the conclusion and now you're doing the, and I'm just confused. Well, just follow along and I'll confuse you some more. The issue is, is what are we, we are to have the mind of Christ. We're to have a value and esteem and we're to look over there and we're to say, how can I help them and not hurt them? How can I esteem them more highly? How can I do this? Well, don't roll in there with guns blazing and blow the guy out of the water because you know what's going to happen? He ain't going to listen to you. He's going to go, whoop, battle shades go down, gun turret gets locked and loaded, and then the, oh, yeah, well, you're such a big, so, you know, and off it goes. No, what do you do? You come in and you say, hey, here's the idea. Well, I, I'm ahead of myself in the admonishment thing, but the issue here is don't put a problem in their way. That's a stumbling block. You can, you know that you can cause an offense to someone by trying to have it your way, you can offend. You're, you mean good, but it's that attitude. It's that demeanor of, and people say, you know what? I don't want to listen to that, and then they're over here. But you know what the renewed mind tells us? Who is that person? They're a saint of the Most High God. They are just as blessed as I am. They are just as complete as I am. They just don't know something, and I can help them to that point. Or I can help get them to someone who can help them, because I'm not even there. Whatever it is. And rather, don't, I, that thing about judgment, let us not therefore judge any another anymore. Knock it off. You're not operating properly. You who know better, ought to be functioning. So you think about marriage. I said a minute ago, marriage is the greatest illustration of this. Now, by the way, just FYI, the, the weaker brother, where would you find a weaker brother? In the local assembly. That's the context, the context of what Paul's dealing with in Romans 14, okay? And in a couple weeks, we're going to go back and I'll show you that and we'll, we'll tie a rag on that bush, Okay. But when you think about a weaker person, 
in a weaker you know, mentality, you find that in a marriage. Because what do you have? You have roles, don't you? You have the husband. Who is the husband? He is the head of the family. Who is the wife? She's the, Peter calls her the weaker vessel. Now, not weaker in that, I tell you what, guys, she can give birth to another human. She ain't weak. That's just, I'm sorry. I don't, well, you know, man, do this baloney. That, that, that woman can produce a child and then birth the thing. I'm like, okay, you win. I'm out. It isn't weak physically. It's weak in a what? In a role that you're playing. It isn't a lesser class citizen. It's in a role that she chose to serve the Lord in. Wives, submit yourselves unto the Lord. Unto your husband, as unto the Lord. Got to get the verse right, okay? See, it's a thought process. It's a thinking thing. So what does the husband do? You're the woman, barefoot, pregnant, staying in the kitchen, doing rawr, rawr, rawr. No! What are you to do, guys? Her, what is her role? Weaker. What is your job as head? Support the weak. Help them out. Grow them. I know more wives who are spiritually more mature than their husbands. Isn't that interesting? Well, now what do we do? Well, you see me later. <laughs> no, what happens? What do you, you're, you're sitting here, you got this role. The husbands, we tend to judge and make judgments. Don't do that anymore. You look at your wife as who she is in Christ. You look at her as putting on the Lord Jesus Christ and making no provision for the flesh and her being in the role that she's playing in. And you support that and you love that and you come up and, and, and embrace that and you don't put a stumbling block in her way. You, you don't put the problem there. You embrace it and say, how can I help you to be the best wife? Because that's what she chose. She chose you. I had a lady tell me, man, I married a jerk. I go, yeah, you married him. I tried to tell you not to, but you did. So he's yours. You bought him. He belongs to you. She's like, well, I don't want him anymore. I go, it's too bad. You got him. No return policy. So uh, there you go. See? Uh, but ladies, guess what? Just as you married him and got him, he got you. And you know what tends to happen on the wife's side? She tries to be the stronger. She tries to be the head. She tries to be the boss. And she try and <laughs> oh, Clint Eastwood said it one time in his movie, nag, nag, nag. And what happens? Now we have a stumbling block, don't we? And now we have problems, and all we had to do was stay in our mindset, proper mindset of value and esteeming. And I'll be honest with you, the best place to see any of this loving one another and one anothering is in the marriage. Because you have a brother and a sister in Christ who love each other, who made a decision to get married and to serve the Lord in a marriage and in a family if children are there. And all the aspects that that involves to bring honor and the glory to the Lord. And you sit over here and you go, well, I want it my way. And I just sit there and I go, my goodness. So when you, th when you sit here and talk about don't ju judge one another anymore, stop doing that. It isn't, it's that thought process that's in there and the thinking process. Now come over to Galatians 5. Oy, oy, oy. We only may get half today. Galatians 5. Now we'll get there. Galatians 5. Because here's the result of operating improperly, okay? Here's Galatians 5.15 is the result of judging one another, condemning one another, hating one another, putting a stumbling block in there, not looking out for the best interests of someone else, but looking out for your own interest. Next week when we talk about forbearing and forgiving, that's a big issue in forgiveness. Not, not, I want it my way. Look at 5.15, Galatians 5.15. But if ye bite and devour one another. Think about that. 
biting and devouring. What bites and what devours? What piece of you does that? The mouth. The biting and devour here is the running of the gums, is the flapping of the lips. Out of the heart proceeds the what? The issues of life. What's going on inside of you when it comes out and you regurgitate that all over someone, you know what that's doing? That's showing I am the boss. I'm the stronger. And the result is, as you begin to bite and devour. Linda made an apple pie. And I'm on a diet. <coughs> and there's a few pieces left. And I said, well, apples are on my diet. So I said, I'm going to eat the apple pie. She goes, how many slices? I said, I'm going to eat all the apple. So I ate all the apple. Three, three slices, but it's all the apple. It's on my diet, right? It's a justification. You know what happened the next morning? Oh, sick as a dog. Why? Because there's stuff in there I'm supposed to have. I'm supposed to stay away from. But you know what happened? I devoured it. You consume it. If you're failing to operate as who you are in Christ, if you're failing to operate in the renewed mindset, you know what you're going to do? You're going to bite and you're going to bop, 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 and you're going to devour that person, that other. You're going to consume them and you will then become consumed by them because you're, you're, the, you're proving yourself to be right and them wrong. You do that. You stand in the shower. Next time I see that jerk, I'm going to boom, boom. That jerk walks in. You go, hey, honey, I love you. I love you too. <laughs> you know. But in the shower, what are you doing? Next time I see that guy at church, I'm just going to give him a one-two. Not physically, just verbally. I'm going to set him in his place. And you know what happens? You, yeah, nothing. I hope nothing. We're supposed to be at peace here, okay? <laughs> but what happens? You get all worked up, don't you? You've done that before. Somebody says something, and you get yourself all worked up, and then you go talk to them, and they, you know what? They didn't mean it the way you took it. Oh, man, my kids and I, we had a great conversation last week about texting and the intent in texting. I'm a gr I like to use punctuation. But I'm learning that in texting, you're not supposed to use punctuation. Because a period means you're angry, and, a da -da -da, and I'm sitting there going, what? You know, I type my emails out, double space after the period, you're supposed to do, you know. And then I learned that English is always growing. And I'm like, what? I'm like, come on. You know me. I didn't mean it that, you know. Well, well what is it? Hey, you're biting and devouring you're offending. He says, stop, don't do that. Operate as who, you are, who you're supposed to be. Look at verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk where? Here we are, guys. We're putting the Word of God in us. We're getting it down in our hearts. We're getting it going. It's moving. We're building. And you know what we do? We go right over here with that person, and we deal in human viewpoint. We're going to smack them in the next week. Not figuratively, not literally, just what you're feeling. And what's Paul say? And thanks for playing. You're wrong. You are to live. You're to walk where you're living. Because look at verse 26. Let us not be desirous of vainglory. Boy, isn't that interesting? Philippians 2, you remember over there? He said, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Not in vainglory and striving. Because look at what it produces, provoking one another, envying one another. It produces the wrong attitude, doesn't it? It's just coming from a bad thinking process. Paul's love language says, look, you're to love one another, man. You're to be moving toward them in a manner that is well-pleasing to the Father. Come over to Titus 3. Titus 3. You're to come along there. We're to not, we are to... We are not functioning properly if we're biting and devouring and provoking and envying and judging. And again, that judgment there isn't a case of bad doctrine. It's just a case of 
of our response to something or someone. Look at Titus 3. Titus 3 is a fantastic chapter. Look at verse 1. Put them, uh, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates and to be ready to every good work. How are you doing on that verse? <laughs> obeying magistrates. That's talking about obeying the government. It's talking about obeying the rulers over you in the moment. What? To speak evil of no men, no man. Boy, how are you doing on that one? Yeah, aunt is right. You see how the, I mean, this stuff sticks you real quick. To be no brawlers. I love that. Brawlers, fighters. I'll fight at the drop of the hat, and I'll drop the hat if needed. But what? Gentle. Showing all meekness unto all men. Hey, there's that brotherly love one to another thing. The mindset we're to have. For we ourselves also, notice, were. Now, Paul's going to describe your life as a sinner. He's going to do that. What were you? Sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lust. Divers' lust. Divers. Many, multiple, different things. Diversity. And pleasures. Living in malice and envying, hateful and what? Hating one another. Notice the admonishment. You are not to do verse 3. You're to do verse 1 and 2. Why? Because you were in verse 3 when before you were saved. But now that you're saved, what are you? Now, now that you're verse 4, but after the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Now that you're saved, what are you to do? How are you to behave? You're to be gentle. You're to show all meekness to all men. You're to look over there and say, well, you know what? I'm just going to disagree with you and let it be. Don't be verse 3. You want to come over here and take the admonishment that Paul is giving. And we need to take that admonishment of not being here, but being over here where we should be, that Paul is laying out here. Now come back to Romans 15, because that leads us into the next one anothering. you got this judgment issue. No, don't do that. Don't judging one another anymore. Stop that. Have a proper mindset about what's going on and who, you're, and who you are in Christ and understand that, who, what's going on around you, how you're interacting with everybody. Don't bite and devour them. When I sat down with that apple pie, my goal was to devour it. When you're in a heated deal with someone, you know what your goal is? Your old man's goal? To devour. Isn't to lift up. It isn't to promote. It isn't to be gentle. It isn't to be long-suffering. It isn't to be forbearing. Because you know what that old man wants to do? He wants to win. And if I'm winning, then I don't look weak. And when I look weak, then I think I'm losing. But you know what Christ said to Paul? When you're weak... I'm strong. And Paul says, you know what I'm going to do from here on out? I'm going to be weak. Because I'd rather rest in his power and his glory than in my own. <laughs> and that's, that, that's the thinking process that I'm talking about. Look at Romans 15. Look at verse 14. At the conclusion of the weaker brother section here, he then says this in verse 14. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to what? Admonish one another. Re you got to read that verse carefully. Because admonishment and judgment are two different things, but yet they are the same thing. Do you know what makes them different? Attitude. Approach. My attitude towards it. If I'm coming at you to devour you, then I'm in the wrong. But if I'm coming to admonish you, that word admonish, to warn. I, I love that word. Come over to 1 Corinthians 4. To, to, to admonish is to warn someone with the view of changing their behavior. 1 Corinthians 4. You see it here in verse 14. 
admonishment and admonishing one another. Paul says, I'm confident in you guys there at Rome. I'm confident in you that are learning and established in the doctrine. We're in Romans 15. We're down. We're at the end of that last pillar being laid. I'm confident that you're now able to go and admonish someone else. He didn't say judge them. He says what? Admonish them. Warn them. Hey, if you continue down this road, you've got trouble coming. You need to stop going the way you're going. 1 Corinthians 4.14. Who are the Corinthians? Are they mature saints or are they babes in Christ? Babes in Christ. Are they carnal? Yeah, that's who they are. They're, they're babes, they're carnal, they're just, they, they got saved, they see it, they believe it, but man, living it, they're living life large. The church at Corinth was a wealthy church. Corinth is a, was a major seaport in Paul's day. Rome used it, and the merchants were full. But look at verse 14. I write not these things to what? What happens when, you, when you're judged by somebody? Shame is brought into the equation, whether verbally or just by the inference. Paul says, I'm not, I'm not writing this book of, of reproof to you to what? To shame you. But as my beloved sons to what? I warn you. If you, Corinthians, continue the way you're going, trouble is on the doorstep admonishment you're to come around and admonish warn them but that's an attitude that's an attitude of proper thinking human viewpoint says what bite and devour nail them and nail them good because they squirm god says no let's go with the proper viewpoint come over come over to colossians chapter 3 Paul tells us to admonish one another in only two places, Romans 15 and Colossians 3, where he uses that phrase, I should say, because the word admonished is everywhere. Look at Colossians 3.16. Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. So if we let the word of Christ do what? Dwell. You know what it is to, where's your dwelling that's home. You, you, you take your shoes off, you hang your coat, you throw your clothes on the floor. The wife goes, would you please pick them up? Or your husband says, would you please pick up your clothes? You keep, you know, well, it's your home. It's, you, it's, where, it's where you dwell. He says, you need to let Christ, let the word of Christ, the sound doctrine come and be at home in you in your hearts, in your thinking. But how? In all wisdom. Teaching and what? Admonishing one another. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. There's an admonishment. There's a warning that's going to take place in the, from the word of Christ dwelling in you. There's a, there's a thing about bringing in the sound doctrine and having that there, and it begins to help you to then come over and help others. Come over to... Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Just follow this, 2 Thessalonians 3. A actually, uh, yeah, 2 Thessalonians 3.15. When I said a minute ago about ad the difference between admonishment and judgment, the verse I was thinking about was this verse. Count, yet count him not as a what? An enemy but admonish him as a what? Well, you know what that is? That's a renewed mind thinking to admonish someone who's at odds with you. And you know you know they're at odds because look back up at verse 13. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed, yet count him not as an enemy. So what's going on? You're having a heated argument over doctrine and what's your attitude to be. He's not an enemy, and I'm admonishing him as a what? As a brother. So you know what that does? It takes the stinger out of the admonishment. Judgment's got a sting. 
It hurts. If I cast judgment on you, it hurts you. You cast it on me, it hurts. But admonishment isn't that. Admonishment is a, hey, you're, you're going the wrong way. Come back. Look at Galatians 6. Galatians 6. Galatians 6, look at verse 1. Galatians 6, verse 1, right after telling us not to provoke one another, not to hate, envy one another, don't bite and devour. 6 1, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault. Well, what would a fault be? A fault. There's trouble. There's a problem here. Ye which are spiritual. Now, think about that. Ye which are what? Spiritual. Well, didn't he just tell you in verse 25, if you live by the if you live in the spirit, let us what? Walk in the Spirit. The Spirit is obeying the sound doctrine and functioning in, who you, in that renewed mind and who you are. If you're there, then what are you to do? Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Restore. Admonish. Bring about a restoration of the person who's overtaken in the fault. But notice the warning by Paul to you doing that. Considering thyself, lest thou also be... Tempted, oh, you better be careful. It's not something to just go rolling into because I'm right and they're wrong. Again, it's the attitude with it. It's the, the motivation behind it. We're to, to, we're to be careful. Because, you know, maybe one day you might be, the shoe might be on the other foot. And what are you going to want? You know the old saying, the golden rule, do it unto the others before they do it to you? Oh, no, it's not, it's not the golden rule. What is it? Do, do unto others what you would want them to do to you. He's not talking about that. He's talking about, hey, you better be careful lest you're what? Tempted. Because what happens? You gotta, Think about this. I used to like NASCAR. I still do, but I have to tell myself I used to because of the politics, okay? Yeah, I heard that. That's right. So here we are talking about NASCAR. I'm not going to go because of ABC, whatever. Boom. And then all of a sudden we're talking about it, and I get worked up to the next thing, you know what? I'm at NASCAR because I'm going to prove Joel wrong that it is there, and it's wrong. And, and, and I, I was, now I'm overtaken in the fault because what did I do? I entertained it. You come in and you admonish it. You come in and you deal. You would want to be dealt with graciously. So how about that being on the other foot? Do the same thing. Come over to 1 Thessalonians 5. When you think about judging and you think about admonishment, we tend to pull back on these topics. Paul doesn't. He says the standard, Romans 16, is the doctrine that you've understood, the doctrine that I gave you, that thing in 2 Thessalonians is his epistle. There's the standard, the sound doctrine. And if you're not matching the sound doctrine, you know what you're to do? You're to mark, you're to avoid, you're to pay attention to, you're to have a conversation with, whatever fits your personality. Because you're not to be, again, you're not to be in opposition to the doctrine. When we... From time to time, you got to get into it with somebody. So how do you do it? You do it graciously. You do it in the spirit of meekness. You got 1 Thessalonians 5. Okay, hold there. Look at 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2. Great instruction in this. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 2 Timothy 2. Look at verse 23. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender strife. Now, by the way, unlearned questions doesn't mean you can't have a Q&A, okay? The unlearned there is those that are not rightly dividing the word of truth. So if you've got questions, ask. We'll get you, I'll get you some help, okay? But unlearned, if you think about 2 Peter 3.16, talking about Paul's epistle, and they're unlearned and they rest the scripture to their own destruction, that's what he's talking about, Okay? And the servant of the Lord, verse 24, must not, what? If you're not going to strive, then that means you're checking your barometer as you go, aren't you? You better be. But be 
gentle. The opposite of striving is being gentle unto all men. Apt to teach, patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. What are you doing? You're admonishing them. You're coming along and saying, look, that activity is producing this, and here are the verses. 1 Thessalonians 5. Where this is predominantly done is in the local assembly. 1 Thessalonians 5, look at verse 12. And this is critical because what tends to happen is we tend to get on Facebook and we tend to get on Instagram or social media or text or Twitter and the next thing you know, you're duking it out with some guy, you hope it's a guy or a person, in some other part of the world and you're yelling at them, and you know what? It ain't your job to do that. Yeah. Because look at 1 Thessalonians 5.12. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you. He's talking about leadership. And are over you, where? In the Lord. Leadership. The deacons, the bishops. Here, the board. Me, the pastor. And do what? And admonish you. See, the admonishment is done here in the confines of a local assembly. Galatians 6.1 is done in the confines of the local assembly. Now watch verse 13 because look at that first word. It's an and. So guess what? 12 and 13 are what? Connected. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. And, folks, admonishing someone from a leadership role is no fun thing. It is no walk through the tulips and the rose garden. It's a, it's a, it's a heartbreaking issue. It's a, it's a Galatians 6.1. It's a, hey, be careful. Be doing it the right way. Doing it the right way. Because that's your job as a leader, as leadership. That's, where it's, that's why he says, verse 13, and to do what? Esteem them very highly for their works. Why? Because they're taking on the dirty stuff that nobody wants to deal with. And I know what happens. Oh, I can deal with it. Fine. Come and be a leader then. Don't do it from the cheap seats. Get in the hot seat. And you know what will happen? You'll want back in the cheap seats. Okay? You follow that? So the issue of admonishment it's right here. But it also comes within you because you see things and step in and do, and that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm not all-knowing. <laughs> I think I am, but I'm not. So here you are. Now, one more passage, and we'll be done, I promise. 1 Corinthians 11. So, so when you're looking at all of this, judging and admonishing, by the way, this is the toughest one of these to really look at because 1 Corinthians 11 because it's of the negative in nature. But I just want to show you something that Paul says to you. You, member of the church, the body of Christ. Paul lays out some clear instructions here in 1 Corinthians 11. He's just gone through the whole thing about doing the, the Lord's table, the communion religion calls it, and so forth. And he gets down to the end in verse 31. He says, for if ye would judge, if we would judge, what? Ourselves. We should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Paul, in those two verses, lays out the three areas and the three ways, the three manners that judgment comes in your life. The first one, verse 31, is you judge yourself. You look over there, you take your activity. Does my activity match the sound doctrine? Nope. Then guess what I'm going to adjust? I'm going to adjust my activity to match the doctrine. Follow that? That's easy. Okay? That's the idea. I'm going to move my behavior and put it in line with the sound doctrine. I'm going to do it myself. If you look at verse 28, he says, But let, let a man examine well, who? himself. 
That's the issue. That's number one. That's the first thing to be done. Second thing is in verse 32, but we are what? Judged. That's others. That's Galatians 6.1. That's 1 Thessalonians 5. When the brethren see something going on and then come to you in the spirit of meekness and gentleness and long-suffering and, and begin to, hey, here's the verses and let's work through this to a successful conclusion. You follow that? But then there's the third one, and that is that we should not be condemned with the world. There's a condemnation that can follow when, when number one and number two aren't successful. Okay? Scratch your head on that. You follow that? If, if you refuse to judge yourself, and then you refuse the doctrine brought to you by others, what's Paul tell them in chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians? You go take that guy, turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. You remove him from the assembly life. That's the idea. If we fail in number one and number two, then there is a condemnation. Notice how it says that, with the world. It doesn't say by the world or in the world. It says what? With the world. That's heavy. That isn't just kick them out. That is turn them over for the destruction of the flesh. Let Satan have them. Who runs the world? Satan does. Let them go. Yeah, but Rick, they're a brother in Christ. Yeah, but they're not following the sound doctrine. Move them. Because what happens? A little leaven will do what? Get the whole lump. And we don't do that. That's why the issue of church discipline sits within a local assembly. Because that isn't something to tread in lightly. It's a heavy thing. And it's something to be done with a lot of thought and prayer and heartache. The condemnation of the world, by the way, if you read Galatians 6, verse 7 and 8, you reap what you sow. The law of the harvest. That's it. By the way, the chastening of the Lord there, at times up. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17. For all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. For what? Reproof for correction. For instruction in righteousness. The word of God, today in the age of grace, God is not going to bend you over his knee like a disobedient child and spank you physically. He's going to use the word of God, Galatians 6, 1 Thessalonians 5, and other passages to do what? To come in and to correct you, chasten, correction, and move you. So don't let someone tell you, God's going to correct you by getting you. No, he works through the word, okay? So judging one another, don't do it. But admonishing one another is on the table. You're not reacting to, your reaction to it is the issue. And folks, I'll be honest with you, if we are walking and living in the Spirit and we're taking that issue of charity, maturity, bringing that into the details of our life, and we're looking, think about charity, looking for the best in people, we will not overlook the wrong, but we'll be able to deal with the wrong appropriately and correctly. And you know what that'll do? That'll do what 2 Thessalonians 5 says that ought to be in a local assembly, and that is let us be at peace with one another. Let there be peace among yourselves, the verse says. And that's really what we're after. No matter what the relationship is, doesn't matter. Friends, best friends, neighbors, husbands and wife, mom and dad with kids. By the way, the kids are what? Kids. Your mom and dad, you tell them what to do, don't, not the other way around. My dad used to say to me all the time, children do not make demand on grown-ups. I'm like, oh, okay. First time I ever did it, I got waxed, I got a flat spot in the back of my head still. <laughs> don't do that. Live at peace amongst you. How do I do that? I take the word of God in. I cancel out the human viewpoint the best I can. I live life in that truth side of the equation. 
and I let truth be the dictator of what and how I'm going to interact with each other. I'm going to allow the truth to come along and say, let me walk towards you in this manner so that I can be at peace among ourselves. Now, next week we'll talk about forbearing and forgiveness. We'll dig a little deeper in the hole, okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we just thank you for who we are in your son. For all the spiritual blessings that you've given us, for the completeness, for the forgiveness, and for everlasting life. We thank you for that. And we'll give you the honor and the glory for that. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. We'll stay.